Had a little trouble getting started this morning, but we got the recording going. And I have to just go ahead and say that we missed last week because of you two, not because of me. Just want to be really clear. The band, you two. <laughs> <laughs> Bono is such a jerk. Yeah, Bono. No, you guys were both sick last week. Everybody feeling better? Everybody? Okay. Uh, we're, we're about 96%. I'm going to be a little oh. stuffy and sniffly, and I apologize. Mm. But Brandon is going to edit out every single little sniffle. Cool. Excellent. You can put on the Bono filter. You can sound like Bono the whole time. I'm feeling good. <laughs> feeling good. I had that one good. day I was really knocked out just the day before. I was okay to record last week, but not going to lie, it was a welcome break. Yeah. Yeah. But last Monday and Tuesday, I was knocked out pretty hard. Hmm. Well, I don't know I'm glad it's, glad it's better. Everybody around, I haven't gotten sick, which is great, but everybody around here, it's just moving through the community. It's crazy. Like all of, you know, one kid, all of his friends, and then the next week, it's like all of her friends, and then the next week, all of their friends, and it's just going through the classrooms and then going through the parents. And yeah, thing is, you can't even complain when you're regular sick because it's because it's not COVID. So it's not <laughs> you get no sympathy for regular sick. It's interesting though because I, this like flu thing, whatever it is that's going around right now, all the people that I know that have been sick with it have been way sicker than they were with COVID. No, I did, personally didn't know anybody who had COVID really bad, so that's that's why that is. But um, yeah, it's this one has affected them more. But either way, glad you guys are feeling better and back. Welcome to be back. Yeah. Well, uh, have you been doing anything or have you been recovering? Have you been working? Last week, I did absolutely nothing, um, so that put me really behind on the guitar build, but uh, I'm almost done. I got to do some wiring today. And what is the facade of that? I wanted to ask you last night in our chat. What, how are you, what did you do to the facade? So, it's so beautiful. I'm not saying I invented a technique, but I may have invented a technique. So uh, the, the main body of the guitar is out of mahogany. And then uh, on my inkjet printer, I printed out this pattern that I made in Photoshop. And so I've got an inkjet printer that can uh, print off of rolls and really big. Uh, so uh, I, I printed out the pattern on my inkjet printer and then attached that to a piece of one-eighth inch acrylic. And then attached that acrylic to the mahogany and then poured epoxy over the whole thing. So I, it's almost like a vinyl wrap. Cause I can print out anything that I want and put on this guitar. And I got inspired. I saw this guitar on Pinterest. This guy used Formica as the face of his guitar. And I was like, that looks really cool. I think I want to do that. And then you can only buy Formica in four by eight sheets or bigger. And so that gave me the idea. I wonder if I could just print out something. So I made up a pattern that I liked and and it came out really, really good. Good. I poured some It looks like Mother of Pearl, at least in the photography. Yeah, it's I, I am I am so thrilled with how this came out. Uh that's that's total boat tabletop epoxy on there. And I did a whole bunch of tests. I use regular epoxy, but it's not as tough and scratch resistant resistant as their tabletop epoxy. And then to polish the front i used what would be used in like the automotive industry i got this it's called norton liquid ice and so when you go to uh buff a clear coat usually you use different compounds for each stage this norton system only uses one compound and three different buffing pads which just simplifies the whole thing 
So sanded the whole face of the guitar all the way up to 2000 and then buffed it with this Norton liquid icing. And I am, I'm so thrilled. I just have to get past this, this, the wiring. I got to figure out the wiring. Mm, (laughs) I did my wiring last night, but right after we're done, I'm going to go test it with a little battery. And hopefully I did the right thing. The, The humbuckers make it a little bit more difficult to wire because more wires come out of there. It's not that much more difficult. You just, Got to figure out where they all go. Bob, and you, I don't you did have your wiring, parts. right, Bob? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you notice that every wire goes to the, the soldering dot on the back of one of the pots? It's like, I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'm like, oh, that goes over there, too. Oh, that's so that wire goes like every yeah. other wire is a ground, it seems like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Each one of the components is going to have to have a ground connection yeah. somewhere. And, yeah. But it, it can be a little bit confusing if you, I've run into this before, when you look at a wiring diagram. If you're trying to follow it like, okay, it's the left terminal on this pot. Well, if are you looking at the top of the pot from the diagram or the bottom of the pot? Because I've run into that. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter. You're just changing where the zero, where the low and where the high, you know, of those of right. that pot is. But it can be a little bit confusing. It's I've wired a bunch of guitars over the years. I've had a bunch of guitars over the years, and they are all different. And that's the most frustrating thing about doing that is you can't look at one and say, well, I'm just going to like follow what this one is and match it over here. Because if you have any variation, if you have a different kind of switch, if you have different kinds of, you know, maybe you have two volumes instead of one volume or whatever, it just, and then if you get into a strat where you have a five-way switch and you have three pickups or something, it's just madness. (laughs) That stuff is, it's crazy. You see how the, uh, I don't know if you can see, but the acrylic layer on top of the mahogany makes it look like i have banding all the way around the guitar yeah Yeah. i I was gonna say how did you make that little like i'd like to see that really up close like how did you do that detail the white line so that's just uh i mean so the mahogany started off with a 14 by 20 inch piece and then i just cut a 14 by 20 inch piece of acrylic glued it on top of that then glued the printout on top of the acrylic and then poured the epoxy. And then that all got oh. cut out. So it has this really, really cool layer effect. Oh, so the like, acrylic is not clear. The acrylic is white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's white ah, acrylic. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking the, yeah. the image is trapped under the glass, but the image is only trapped under the epoxy. That's what yeah. I thought too. And I couldn't figure out why the epoxy was even necessary, but now yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so I beautiful. am, I, it was very frustrating cutting it on the CNC because there was a couple little hiccups, but I was able to restart and, um, well, actually, the first epoxy pour didn't go well. I didn't mix it good enough, or it was too cold, or something happened, so I had to redo everything. And I can't. What's a project I, if you don't have to do it twice? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, and it's sitting right over there. So I'm actually going to try to fix it. I'm so it's it's so upsetting that I have to give this guitar away because it's one of the coolest things I feel like I've ever made. And so oh, cool. uh, the nice other to blank hear you that's happy with something. Yeah, the other blank, I'm going to have to turn it into my own guitar because I'm not saying I invented this technique, but it came out really good, and maybe I invented it. Did you get this mahogany from the guys over at Crimson, or did you get your own blank? I got. Uh, I, I bought it from Kencraft, my local oh. dealer, and then uh, it was only seven inches wide, so I had to glue up a couple boards. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I, in the video for our for my guitar, I actually said at the beginning, like, I'm kind of interested in doing this shape because it's not my personality. It's not a guitar that I want to have, but I want to make it. So I'm happy mm-hmm. that somebody else gets to take it. And then 
by the time I got finished with it, I'm like, I really hope I get to somehow keep this guitar. <laughs> like it's well, it's not perfect. It's got its problems yeah. and everything, and it's not it's not something I need. It's not something I'll probably like, play very much. But I don't know. Like I made a guitar. I kind of want to keep it. <laughs> well, Kelly said last night. She's like, well, you could always bid on your own guitar. Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's giving money to the charity that you picked. I mean, there's you know, yeah. I love how there. you did something that was unexpected, and then when I texted you a photo last night, I said, "There's no walnut in this guitar at all," because I didn't <laughs> want Bob to predict that I was going to use walnut again. I mean, it could be in there. I don't know. You covered up the entire front of the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a walnut blank with the mahogany stripe around the outside of it. Yeah, I yeah. I made it real, real difficult for me. Yeah. So I was, I was going to put the the little portable amp, battery powered amplifier into it, and then I got sick last week, and I I was just way behind, so I didn't do it for this project. And I'm actually glad just because of the 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 way it came out. Yeah. I did cut the um. The pit guard on the laser, and I'm not sure. It, it didn't list what type of material it was, and I'm not sure that I should have done that because it stunk really bad. Yeah. I should have cut it on the CNC. I was worried about that as well. Uh, and I thought about it, but I couldn't figure out what it was, so I didn't. But, yeah, I went ahead and did it uh, with a router, which is always a little bit scary because you can't you know, come back from that. Any little jitter, uh, anything that the guide bearing picks up is... yep. Yeah, that's a big deal. But I finished mine except for I'm waiting on a neck plate and a nut to show up today, and then I can actually f- get the entire thing assembled and test the electronics. I have them in there, but I don't know that they work. So Yeah, I'm going to find out soon enough. Hopefully they, they do. Um, so I've been working on the guitar. I also am building some floating shelves for our kitchen to kind of go on top of the tile that I did last week. And I'm trying something... I don't know that it's really new, but it's new for me uh, with the floating shelves, and I'm trying to make them really strong. So today I'm going to actually get them installed and see if it works like I think. And if so, it'll be kind of neat. But that's pretty much all I want to say about that. (laughs) Jimmy, what have you been up to? I got the guitar done. I'm part of the Secret Santa, the European Secret Santa crew. So I'll be in that, and I had to get my Secret Santa put together and in the mail. I think... I'm not sure. I got to double check with Ruth, who's running the show. Ruth from Kids Invent Stuff. I think we're supposed to get ours in the mail, open it, and that's part of our video is us revealing what we got. I think how that that's how that works. But I got mine in the mail last night, which is which was a, a nice relief because it was hang hanging heavy on my head. What to make? It's it's difficult because you get the person who you're supposed to make for, and then you got to like do a little research on them, try and figure out what you want to make for them. But mine, I'm happy with what I made came out well. I just showed you guys. So that's out and that'll be revealed. I think I got to publish that video on the 18th. I'm very happy my guitar is done. That's another weight off my shoulders. And uh, did you guys happen to see the metal, this crazy metal thing I made? I got a just a private client job for a florist that does very pricey installations for weddings and ceremonies and stuff. I made this big, big giant metal tree my friend Eliza works for them, and she said, can you make this? And I said, sure. And then last night she sent me, and I, I might be able to post it today, she sent me pictures of them having had used the the tree. So I can show you guys. This is one of the installations. This is this is like 8, 10 feet tall. See all those oh, branches? So yeah. I made like a basically a, a skeleton of a tree made out of thick steel tubing, and then they bolt stuff to that mm. in 
And then it's recyclable. So they take all the, the flowers off and they use that framework again for another event. Oh, that's cool. So I made that. And uh, I kind of showed some cryptic Instagram stories on it because I don't know what she wants me to reveal. But I think at one point I might be able to even make a reel of all of it with some of her finished beauty shots. So she's waiting to give me the go ahead. So that'll be a quick little reel because I did film some of the process. And uh, she's might giving me another gig to make these arches. So making cool things for florists is fun. Look at you back into client work. Yeah, this is good client work because this is like a framework for the artist to do something fun. Yeah. And so, you know, I could, oh, yeah. it's a substantial piece of welding and the material's substantial and heavy. And, and they, you know, they, they're in settings where there's people. So you want to make sure nothing's going to droop or bend. So that, that was fun. And uh, my road, a lot of people saw the road I made last. I didn't make it, but I'm paying for it. We did the road that it's goes basically the same thing. <laughs> I, I enlisted the guys, these local guys, to build the road. They did a fantastic job. So we went through the woods around the black barn and back up to the new barn. So there's like a big jug handle in the woods so that we don't have to drive across the lawn anymore. And a lot of people were wondering how much that was going to cost. And I found out yesterday that it's going to be somewhere in the $30,000 range. Mm. Uh, it's. Woo. 800,000 pounds of rock and gravel which brought to my property. 800,000 pounds. Expensive jug handle. It is a very expensive <laughs> jug handle. And it's about, it's, about 100, it's about 200 yards long, so it's a pretty substantial road. So $30,000 road. The good thing, though, I mean, it's, it's obviously a lot of money, but these guys take payment over time, so I can give them bits and pieces of it. They don't need to write it. So <clears throat> as my YouTube... Wealth rolls in. I can give it to those guys. <laughs> Any kind of lights that line the the outside of the road? Well, we have the main road that goes right up to the front of the barn has a row of lights along it, and me and Patrick are talking about running another run of lights around it. So yeah, we're we're, we're talking about it. I have in my video to do list doing these. Uh, I don't know what you would call them, like these driveway lights, like stanchion lights that come up out of a steel tube and the top has like a glow on it. I have a couple of ideas. That is something that I definitely want to make. And that would be a video because we made these driveway lights when we built the building, but they're just on two by four stuck in the ground. Everything is there for me to make them. But uh, when I, when the design committee lived here, it was always difficult to decide how we should do them. So it just became a two by four with a light bulb on it. So without the design committee, I think I'm going to be able to make fast decisions on that. So that's that's going to probably, uh, I don't know, I might make that over the winter. And then I'd establish a style, and we could make that same style around the other new road. But it's it's incredible, the potential. When you open up the back door to the barn, you used to open it up and be 10 feet from the woods. Now you open the back door to the barn, and there's like a, I, I joke, I say, I feel like I'm in like a James Bond 007 villain lair like you open it up and there's roads like i need like guys in the same suits just walking all around doing nonsense you know like walking all <laughs> you around. totally do that that'd be awesome <laughs> it's it's crazy like you open it's like this whole complex it's like waiting for like you know something to be happening it's crazy you need henchmen i need henchmen you know like mm. my 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 own my own minions <laughs> wearing like mandarin suits and like little fin hats doing like nondescript <laughs> evil stuff and they all have a little wire hanging out of their ear. Yeah. And they're just like looking around. Yeah. Putting their hand <laughs> to their ear. That'd be awesome. Hmm. Yeah, you should definitely do that. <laughs> that and the guitarist is. <laughs> oh, and um, my boat, the boat's ready to be glassed on the bottom. I'm going to do that after the weekend. Mm. And that's going to be fun. 
doing that. And then now, that's part I guess one. you're, I was, I was getting ready to ask, is it too cold or is it getting too cold? But I guess the barn is heated. So the that, barn is, is well heated. Yeah. It's, yeah, okay. it's always like a constant 65, 70 degrees in the barn, no matter what. Gotcha. And not to mention it's, it's 60, it's almost 60 degrees right now. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember yeah. when this is right when we did, it's uh, December 7th, 8th. Right now is when we did the concrete floor in the barn five years ago today, this week. And it was two degrees out, five degrees, mm. 10 degrees out. It's crazy how right now here it is, you know, global warming, whatever you want to call it. Here we are. And yeah, it's 50 degrees right now. Do you enjoy having five projects going at the same time? I have nothing else to do anymore. So that's like, I, I'm looking for a sixth project. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Henchman. That's your sixth project. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I have more free time on my hands than I've had in 12 years. It's crazy. Mm. You know, it's funny having all this free time on my hands and having this new career that I didn't have when I didn't have the free time on my hands 12 years ago, if you understand what I'm saying. It's like my whole life has changed while I've been in a union and now I'm out of that union and suddenly it's like, whoa, hmm. my life has changed and now I have so much free time. Hmm. So let me make two guitars. Let me make <laughs> two steel trees. I should have just hired you to make my guitar for me. Just just don't burn yourself out, that's all. No, yeah. no, I've been taking some time off, and I've been exercising a lot and doing my long night walks as the weather permits. I've been doing these three to five, three to three to four mile walks every night. I got a couple of like milestones in the road where I walk to. And, and the funny thing is every time I say I do walks, everybody, I, 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 you know, I always say don't tell anybody what you do because they have a bad opinion about it or they put their fear into you. Every time somebody's like, what are you doing for exercise? I go, oh, I go for long walks at night. Like, oh, I hope you're wearing a flashlight. I hope you don't wear antlers on your head. I hope you don't run on the red line down the middle of the road. I, I hope you know what a car is. You know what a car is, right? You don't jump in front of them, do you? You don't wear a deer suit. Like I walk in the middle of the night in the country where I could hear a car coming for about 10 minutes before it comes near me. And I'll walk for an hour and a half, two hours at night. And I will see one car in that much time. Mm. And I will see the headlights for about 20 minutes before they get near me. And as soon as they get near me, I jump in front of the car. Mm. <laughs> I say, as long as you lot. have a, a blinky red light on your nose, the antlers are not a big deal. It's yeah. like yeah. people, they, they yeah. know what that is. So I bounced off a few fenders, but I'm okay. <laughs> it's the, it is so funny. It's like you, everybody in the audience do this as an experiment. Say I go for long late night walks and to anybody. And immediately the first thing they're going to say is, oh, my God, do you know you can get hit by a car? <laughs> more likely to get hit by a deer <laughs> it's exactly right it's exactly right one this is last summer i was walking i don't know if i told you guys this i was walking and i was fiddling with my phone like trying to reset a book on tape as i was walking so i was looking down at my phone so my face was lit up pitch black pure pitch black it was an overcast night so i was just the only thing that was keeping me on my path was obviously I knew where I was going and the fog line in front of me, no cars. And I got hit in the head, but must have been a bat. Flew directly into the side of my head. Oh, oh my boy. goodness. I I jumped around. I was like, I thought somebody snuck up on me and slapped me because I was listening. I did my, all my senses mm. weren't available. So now whenever I walk to everybody that's afraid I'm going to get hit by a car, I only leave one earbud in so I could hear the cars approaching. And so that night I had both earbuds in. So I thought somebody had snuck up to me and slapped me in the back of the head. <laughs> And I immediately spun around. There was nobody near me. But the only thing I could think of is the light of the phone on my face 
attracted a bat or something that flew into the flew into like my forehead. What and came then, out of your mouth? <laughs> what did you show. say? <laughs> I was like, bah, bah. That's probably it. <laughs> yeah, but that was scary. That was the only so like don't say anything about cars, just say, Do you know there's bats out there? <laughs> you can I hope you're wearing a helmet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, A lot of headphones these days, I want to throw this out in case people don't know this. A lot of headphones, the AirPods do it, but other ones, my Raycons do it as well. They have like an awareness mode where it lets the outside audio in while you're listening to something. So Mm -hmm. if you are running, like when I go run, I run when cars are driving around next to a road. So I can hear all of the cars. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good thing that people may not know about if you're looking for earbuds or something to exercise with. Yeah. Get somewhere you can turn that on, so you're not yeah. as close. I always I use like the the beat, so I always have one in, one out, yeah. and like my ear gets irritated, so I switch ears and I pull one out and put one in. Gotcha. So I'm always I always got one ear on the road, like a Native American listening to who's coming. <laughs> Seriously, I'm always looking. Well, that's good. Yeah. So that's, um, that's what I've been doing. I ran into, or I had a, a pretty cool thing. I don't even know how to say it. Experience this week. I did something that is not cool to anybody else in the world. And I've told a couple people and they were not very excited for me. <clears throat> I was very excited about it. Great setup. So to tell you guys, yeah, because <laughs> you will be as equally not excited for me. So my uh, my old green Land Cruiser that I've talked about on here a little bit <clears throat> has been, you know, back and forth between working and not working. And like I, I drive it for a couple of days and then something burns and uh, whatever. So... Last week, a couple weeks ago, um, did I tell you about the ignition switch going out and then I hotwired it? I was able to hotwire it and I thought that was really cool. It dawned on me after the fact that by hotwiring it, I was actually connect. I, did, I don't think I did anything bad to it, but there was potential for me to get really hurt doing that because I was jumping wires that carry a whole lot of amps. And if mm. I had gotten shocked with that, it would have been deadly, probably. So don't do that. Hmm. At least the way I did it. I don't know. Find some professional hot wire and have them teach you how to do it correctly. Like a criminal. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm not saying do that again. That was an interesting thing for me to learn. And I got an understanding of the car through that a little bit. <clears throat> but I drove it home the day that I hotwired it. And then I went to start it up again and it wouldn't start. After I replaced the switch and everything, it started blowing a fuse. So I spent... Uh, about a week, like just going out and looking at it and trying to figure out like all of the components that hadn't been replaced in the electrical system. Long story short, for the first time, I spent a long time with a Haynes manual and a multimeter at a car going, okay, this wire connects to that thing over there. What else does it touch? Okay, so, you know, and I was following the wires. And so much of that is hidden, even in old cars. Mm -hmm. It's a bundle of wires wrapped up in tape, and you can't really see anything. And so I, through that process, I understood a lot more about where things went, what was connected, the process at which electricity comes out of the battery and goes through this thing and follows this and goes through this voltage regulator. and all. So I got a better understanding of it. And using a multimeter... I was able to start checking the ends of wires, but, you know, from, I know this goes from this point to this point. So I'm going to check the end of them and see if there's continuity, see if that wire is connected inside. And I was able to find a single wire that went from one point to another point. It didn't branch off into a bunch of things. And it was 
not connected. And so then I took the end of one of those wires and I checked it against the ground, against the block, and it was connected. And that's not supposed to happen. So the, the cool thing was that I, I spent the time piece by piece going through and I found the single wire in the wiring harness that was broken somewhere. I don't know where the break was. But as I was able to identify, like, this wire is the problem. This is what's causing a short. It's blowing the fuse. It's stopping the car from starting. And I, my dad has electrical background stuff, so I, you know, was, I asked him about it. Like, does this make sense to you? Does it sound like I'm on the right track with this? And I showed him what I was thinking. He's like, yeah, I mean, it seems to. So I was able to create a new wire that went from point A to point B. This is from the regulator, the voltage regulator to the alternator. And just took a new wire and laid it on top of the engine. You know, like it wasn't like I was feeding it through. And I just went from this point to this point and double checked all my connections and made sure everything was covered and, you know, sealed and everything. And then I went and replaced the fuse and it cranked right up. And mm. it felt so amazing. To isolate okay. the problem. To, yeah, to know exactly what the problem was. Fixing it, cool. That's great. But to have a serious understanding, a specific understanding of what was causing the problem and, and to diagnose it. It's not like somebody just said, well, here's your problem. Yeah. Getting to the bottom of it felt really, really good and gave me, I don't know, like another boost with the car stuff. Like this is not, it's not black box work, you know? It's not an impossible thing to diagnose a problem in something that you don't really know much about, no matter what it is. And for me, it happens to be cars right now. It felt really, really good. And once I knew it, I just had this like jolt of energy. And so I, I was taking the things off that I had put on and routing them correctly and, you know, zip tying them to the other wiring harness and labeling things end to end. And I just put it all back together. And I'm like, okay, surely now it won't work. I probably did something wrong in that <laughs> rewiring, you know, it cranked right up and then I drove it and it cranked right up and then I got it home and it cranked right up and it just felt so good. <laughs> to be like I fixed the thing. That's cool. um, and so I told my, and I, and I was working on this like for a week, I would go out and just stare at it and be like trying to follow things. And my wife would look out our kitchen windows, like right above where the car's parked. And she would just be up there and like look out and I'd look up and I'd see all the kids just staring at me from the window, you know, for a week at a time. And so when I went in and I told them that I got this thing fixed, they're all like, cool. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is a really big deal for me. Like I fixed the car. They and already like, okay. thought you knew you were going to do it. You didn't know you were going to do it. Yeah, that's, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, I think they're probably like, yeah, sure you did. Give it a day, and then something else will break. I think that's probably right. what they were actually <laughs> yeah. thinking. But anyway, it was it was really it just felt really good. And it's a win, a big win. Yeah, yeah. And it it made me like now looking at the the Carmen Ghia when I get to the point of running new electrical, which I have an entirely new wiring harness, brand new that Whoa. I have to run everywhere. Whoa. And that's always been like a. Man, in a couple of years, that's going to be really hard, but I don't have to worry about it now. It's that kind of a thing. Um, but just having explored that a little bit, now I have a better understanding of at least what the components are and, and how things are connected and maybe the order at which I go connecting those things and testing those things. So it was good. But I guess I don't have a point for listeners in that other than you know, stick, being stick diligent. Intuitiveness. And, yeah, like being diligent and just 
like methodically looking for the problem and and testing individual things and checking them off the list. It's not that. It's not that. It's not that. It worked out. It felt really good. So, you know, the, the, another good point to make there is I see occasionally I see people in my environment get super frustrated with stuff, and I'm like, and I would say, there's got to be a solution. It can't just be magic that it doesn't work. There's something. There's a mechanical reason why. Just be patient and figure out what the mechanical reason why you are not getting the results you expect. Yeah. And if you're patient, you can zero in as opposed to getting frustrated and throwing a hammer or kicking the side of it. Occasionally think, the Fonzie slap does work, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always looked at cars specifically as like, as just a big thing, right? Like the car doesn't work. In reality, the car is a collection of systems. Oh, you have yeah. a fuel system, you have an electrical system, you have an air system, you have tires, you have a brake system. You have all these systems that work together but are kind of independent in that if you break a brake line, it doesn't kill the electrical. It just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It doesn't drive. It doesn't stop. And I think from the last couple of years of just dipping my toes into car stuff, I'm getting a better understanding of this one big thing is actually just a bunch of smaller things. And if I can if I can put aside the rest of it and just think about the brakes or just think about the electrical, it feels a little bit more attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think you could apply that to you know any sort of thing that you were making or fixing or whatever. I mean, I'm sure you've run into that with like getting into working on the backhoe and stuff. I feel like even if you understood cars, looking at a backhoe would feel like, oh, that's a whole different thing. I guess oh, it's, it's not. crazy. It's like it's like it's like the enormity of like a cruise ship. You look at like yeah. all the different things that have to happen. Then, and it, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, thank God for Google because I kept spewing. I kept spewing hydraulic fluid, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And I think Rob Rojas figured it out. He goes, oh, that little sight window. When the thing is in this position, you're only supposed to see half of the fluid in that sight window. And that was from Google. And what I had done was when the thing was all extended and I filled it up to the top so that when everything contracts again, all that fluid has to go somewhere. It just squirts out of the cap. And I didn't realize I was squirting it directly out of the the vessel, you know. So I learned a lot about hydraulic systems that day. Hmm. I learned lessons I'm never going to forget. Another interesting thing that's come out of the car stuff recently is uh, uh, an awareness of how different cars are now to 50 years ago or whatever. And how, because the cars themselves are so much more complex, passing on knowledge about cars to younger people is more difficult. My dad was telling me about how when he was a, I guess he was a teenager, like nine, 10, something like that. Um, he, he had two younger brothers has two younger brothers and his dad, my grandfather would go to work and tell them while he was gone to like change the points and change the oil. And you know, here's a list of stuff to do to the car while I'm gone. And they would do that on their own. And I can't do that. All of that. I wouldn't know where to start. I much, I definitely would not tell my, my kids to go do that because I wouldn't trust that they would do it correctly because they don't have the history of understanding what the thing is. But you think about my dad and his two younger brothers at that age, at least, at the very least, knew where the things were. Even if they didn't understand what they did, they knew what it was and what it wasn't supposed to look like 
and how it was supposed to be set, and they could go in and change those things, which they had to do as more regular maintenance than, than you have to do now. Um, and, you know, it was just like part of their chores. Like, go fix the car. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the really the cool. battery in Kelly's car died last week, and it, it had to jump it. And I was like, man, I really hope we don't have to replace this battery because it is so buried. It's a Ford uh, hybrid fusion, and it's just oh, yeah. so... Like, if I have to replace this, this is going to take all day. Mm. Yeah, I had to change the battery in my 2018 Chevy, and you got to take a cross member off. I was like, are you kidding me? What? Really, I got to take, like, a cross member off of, like, the frame to get at the battery. You got to take off, like, a 20-inch piece of steel to get at the battery. Wow. And and so I just was telling Dave this while we were busy switching around the, the browsers. I The other day, I get out of my 20... 23 it's not even 23 yet i have a 2023 chevy 3500 that i bought in september and i get out of it and i'm fiddling around in the yard and i look back and the headlights are still on it was like 20 minutes later and i'm like how long does it take the headlights to turn off and i got in the car i started fiddling around i started it again and it's an elect everything's electronic nothing makes a positive click everything's like a you know some sort of secret soft switch everywhere you go delayed reaction and start, started the car, shut it off, and then, you know, it doesn't shut completely off. You know, it's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do on my own time. You go in the house, I'll be <laughs> fine. You know, yeah, and uh, I couldn't turn the headlights off. They, they wouldn't go. And then I, I, I zeroed it in after playing with it. The bright lever, the lever on the blinker switch, I push it forward to turn the brights on and off, and they wouldn't turn off. I turned the brights on pulling into the driveway, and now they were stuck on, and the car was completely off. I'm like... Now I'm going to have to open the hood and try and figure out where the batteries are because the car, I think the car has two batteries, and I got to disconnect the batteries. And that means every other setting is going to have to get reset because once the car has no life at all, it goes back to being a dead, in, dead body. And so I said, before I open the hood, let me keep fiddling with the switches, and then ultimately the high beams went off. And the next morning, I got on the phone with Chevy. I was like, I, this truck, I couldn't turn the high beams off last night. They're like, really? And I go, I'm on the phone with you now. And I'm like, oh, I turned the high beams on. And now I can't turn them off. The car is turned off and the high beams are on. I can't turn them off. And they said, bring it in. So I brought it in. And after some troubleshooting, they changed the blinker lever. Because hmm. that does changes the wipers, the blinkers, and the high beams. And that switch was defective. So are you, you sure? Because I know that you paid for like the full package on that thing. Mm -hmm. Are you yeah. sure that the AI in the truck just didn't think that you still wanted the lights on? Like maybe it was like, oh, he's still out here in the yard. Twenty minutes later, maybe. no, no, no. They, they, they <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it, my that's what I thought. I'm like, does the thing like <laughs> think I'm like busy fiddling around in my garage and it needs? Yeah. It thinks I need the lights because it knows them nearby. No, they, they, they said that. So they replaced the lever. Hmm. Whatever. It's just the beginning of a waterfall of electronic problems. I'm sure mm. this and many other new vehicles have. You get in the thing and it's just like everything is a soft touch electronic thing. And I was talking to a friend who's the guy who's going to detail my car. I just became recent friends with him. He's going to detail it and put a ceramic coat on it in the next couple of days. He said a lot of new cars are having problems because of some, I guess, some of the the chip, the chip shortage and how the chip, that whole chip situation but I said, we were talking, I go, could you imagine in 40 years from now finding this truck in the weeds and trying to start it, being like a kid 
You know, imagine being a kid, like, oh, look at this cool truck I found. I'm going to pull it out of the weeds on my YouTube channel, you know, my YouTube channel in space, and try and start this truck. <laughs> you'll yeah. set the thing on fire trying to start it because you'll melt the wiring harness. Yeah, the battery will just explode. But yeah. we it's almost like we stay in the same plane but these kids they, they have the, an advanced knowledge of things so 40 years from now when they go to dig that out of the weeds they may know what they need to know he's going to walk up to it and pull his phone out and hover his phone over the engine compartment and it's going to go this car exactly. starts yeah yeah <laughs> it works <laughs> i mean it's one interesting thing about the like the go. old cars that i've been dealing with lately uh, like this FJ40, I can get in the engine bay with the engine in it. Like I could climb in there. When I mm-hmm. replaced the starter, I didn't have to take anything out. I, and it's at the bottom. I reached right. in with one arm, yeah, unscrewed a thing, and pulled it out, and then put the other one back in and unscrewed it. I didn't have to move anything. When I open the hood of this car, you open the hood, and there's like a whole nother hood. It looks like you're looking at like <laughs> yeah. a piece of the piece of paneling, like when they pull it off the side of like a Rolls Royce jet engine, and it's just completely packed right up to the inside paneling of tubes and wires. You open the hood of this car; it's the same thing. It's like I don't even know where the battery is. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a you know, there's definitely a good and bad for both ends of that spectrum. Serviceability is a big yeah. problem, I think, with current stuff. But at the same time. You know, on like the old car, like my old Land Cruiser, the heater is a circle of metal sitting in the floor between the two seats. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a trade off between having, oh, I got like a nice heater yeah. that's going to heat my yeah. seat or whatever. And this, like, there's a hot piece of metal in the back that's supposed to warm the car for you. <laughs> well, when I pulled in, I asked the service manager, I was going to show him that the lights stay on. So we started fiddling with the switches. And I said, by the way, how do I turn on the, the fog lights? And he, and he goes, this button here. I'm like, that didn't work. That's the button I thought it was. I go, I guess, mm, I don't know. And he's pushing buttons all over the dashboard. And we finally <laughs> figured it out. It was, a, it was a different button that was not where you would expect it to be that turns on the fog lights. It was the first time I turned the fog lights on since I got the car because I didn't know where the button was. I might have been turning them on and off, but it didn't realize, I didn't realize it because it wasn't the right button. And the button that's supposed to be for fog lights, I go, what does that turn on? He goes, hmm, I don't know. Nothing seems turns, to be changing. Turns the truck into a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Oops. So It's funny so. you say all that, and I'm going to pick up my new truck today at 1230. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Right. What are you getting? My lease ended on my, on my current one, and I'm getting another one, and it's the exact same thing. It looks exactly the same <laughs> on the inside, uh, yeah, it's, it's, except I'm, I'm going from black to, to white. I, w- I could have got another black one. But I'm like, it looks exactly the same. I should pick a different color just so it mm. feels new. What is it? Yeah. What kind of car? What, what's the brand? It's a Honda Ridgeline. Oh truck. yeah, that's it's like the smallest pickup truck you can get. Yeah, that's cool. cool I could cool. I can give you a pickup truck a ride. <laughs> yeah, you could <laughs> you can put it in for the back. sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, um, we didn't really have a topic, but I did want to bring something up. So um, a couple days ago. The Hacksmith channel posted a video about uh, James, the guy that's been the Hacksmith, but it's it's a company with a whole bunch of people. And basically it was him and, and a, a friend of his from school started the thing. The other guy didn't want to be on camera very much. So they posted a video basically talking about the fact that James has been dealing with depression for about 10 years and is taking time off 
an indeterminate amount of time off to just get better because he's not doing very well. And so the video is about him, what he's been going through, what he needs. He's, they're asking for people to you know hang around and support the new people that are going to be on screen and what they're trying to do and everything. And it was a really good – I thought it was a very classy way to say, look, he's having some trouble and he needs time. We're going to give him the time. Um, so just hang around for us you know, while we're letting him get better. And uh, one of the things that was interesting about it though, outside of that, I think that that part is important and that's what made an impact on me. But I don't have much to say about that. The thing that, in addition to that, that kind of stuck out to me was they started describing in this video the last couple of years of YouTube for them and how they've been trying to change stuff. And it felt so familiar to me that it was a little bit disconcerting. Um, so they were talking about how, obviously, they're working at a whole different scale. They They have like 10 million subscribers. They have like crazy number of views. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it was interesting to hear. The disconcerting part was that a channel that's that big and that prolific felt the same thing that I think a lot of us have been feeling over the last couple of years. But anyway, they talked about how doing the weekly video thing was really exhausting, especially for him, and was as they were building up this like viewership and everything, they had to make more money to cover the more people they needed to be able to make the videos they needed. They started taking on a bunch of extra sponsors. And then that brought a whole different set of um, constraints to the whole thing. But the, the thing that really stuck out to me was they, they were doing the weekly thing. And they said, this is not allowing enough space for us to do the videos that we want to do because it's just, it's not enough time. So we're going to switch to a, a schedule where we do like one or two a month, but they're bigger. And so they tried to do that, <clears throat> and then they immediately saw that if one of those, if you put your eggs in fewer baskets and one of those videos doesn't do well, it hurts more than if you have four videos a month and one doesn't do well. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, yeah. What do you do I've when you do been... four videos a month and none of them do well? Did he have an answer for that? <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but, I mean, I've thought the same thing. Like we've we've thrown that idea around of like, well, maybe we do like the, you know, one a month and it's bigger. But then I've always worried about the sustainability of that uh, because – specifically because when we do four a month, I don't know if any of them are going to do well. Let me. This goes back to the topic that we could talk about next week, but – is it not doing well and it feels like a failure because of your ego or is it not doing well and it feels mm. like a failure just because not enough people watched? And if not enough people watched, I know ultimately long-term it does affect the bottom line, but in general, I think our ego is more damaged than our finances in general. Yes, 100%. Because when you look at the year, you have videos that don't do well and you're like, ugh, you know, but you're like, oh, what I, you know, that video did 300,000, you know, in, in all, in my little world, you know, each one of us has our own, what's good, what's bad, as far as ratings go, you know, he's doing millions of views, him and like Colin and those guys, you know, they, they do very, very well. But like I said, when, when you get a, a, a kick in the gut, is it, is it our ego more than our finances? Cause we're worried it's our finances, but initially it's our ego. 
Yeah, it's definitely the ego. Some, you know, some projects just require more of your attention and energy, and you become really attached to them for a week or two whenever you're working on them, and you just feel like this is amazing. Like the, the this current project, I'm like, this is so good. This, and then if the video doesn't do well, it's like, oh, does the audience think what wh- wh- maybe what they think is good is different than what I think is good? Now there's I'm gonna this go, disconnect. I'm going to go back to that old that old adage of like, yeah, if those forty thousand people that you think is a failure showed up at your house, you'd be like. I wish I had more friends. <laughs> <laughs> There's only 40,000 yeah. people here, Mom. The party was a failure. You know. I think, I mean, I, I totally agree. Ego is a big part of it. And I, I think it's a little bit different. My ego is hurt in a different way than what I think you guys are saying. Yeah. I'm not trying to get out of the fact that my ego plays a big part in it. Yeah, no, because I know mine that. does. But I think the when something underperforms... Well, I rarely make anything where at the end of the video I'm like, man, this thing is so good. People are going to love this because I just don't have that confidence in my own ability or my finished products. It's just not where I land on that stuff. But I think the ego in that I feel like I've done something that will be useful for people. And then when people don't watch it, I'm like, well, I guess they didn't think it was going to be useful for them. And then the next stage of that is, well, if they don't think that's useful – like you said, David, what if we have really different ideas of what's good or what's bad? And does that mean I'm wrong? Does that mean I'm out of touch? Does that mean I have a future in this? You know, it's it's like yeah. that cascading, like yeah. We're all that extrapolation that. of if I failed here, am I failing at large or yeah. am I on the way out? Time to be honest with myself. Yeah. Take the civil and, service test. <laughs> and that's, that is definitely an ego thing where you start to like say you question your ability and your – you know, how relevant you are and things like that. Um, I think having employees and having, and this was another thing that resonated with me from watching that video from Hacksmith was when you have people that rely on you, um, specifically like for, in my case, people who have moved to the town, three of the people that of the four that work for me did not live here before they came to work here. They have moved their families to the town and I have a huge sense of responsibility to those people to make this thing work and to not <clears throat> not screw up to the to the level of it's going to affect their future. And so not that we've ever gotten to that, but I do worry about it. I mean, I worry about the potential, not the – maybe it's not a realistic potential right now or anything. But when I see those numbers – start to fall or when I feel my ability to keep up with a schedule start to fall or any of those things, I don't feel like that's ego so much in in that particular case as just I have a responsibility to these people and and if if I'm out of touch with the audience, like that's a problem for these people. You know what I mean? It's not so much about like the audience isn't getting what they want from me or like I'm not good at making guitars or whatever. Um I don't know. It just brought watching their video. It's it's a very different situation. I'm blessed enough not to be dealing with those same mental health issues that James is, and I hope that he's getting the help that he needs. But it was interesting and disconcerting to see a different group of people at a different scale deal with some of the same stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
and the, but the cool thing about it, about seeing that video, and it's, and I think this is one of the really big benefits of them putting that video out to the world. Not only are they bringing awareness to like this can be really bad for you if you're not taking care of yourself. Um, but as soon as I watch that video, I'm like, you know what? There's a couple people, creator friends of mine, who I need to check in on. They've gone through some stuff. I need to check on them. And I sent out two texts to two people at that very moment, just saying, hey, how are you doing? Everything okay? And within 30 minutes, I got a text from somebody else checking on me. And no I was way. like, that is so cool. And he said, I just watched this Hacksmith video. It made me think about this time that we were together, and I wanted to check on you and see how you're doing. And so it's it spurred a group of conversations between you know me being on the input and on the output side of that, of other creators knowing what each other's going through, knowing the difficulties that can come with this whole thing sometimes, and just checking in. And that felt really, really cool, you know, to be part of a, a community like that. So, what sucks is for the, you know, if we are working too much and we're dealing with stuff, you know, we can we can take a a couple of days off or whatever it takes, or we can we can slow down because we're in control. Uh, I have been in situations where I've had jobs where I don't have that control and mm. you are working for somebody else and you have huge deadlines and big clients and you're, you're overworking yourself. Plus you have to deal with your own personal stuff at, at home. And uh, I, I, I wish there was good advice for, for people who don't have the luxury of slowing down, you know, just yeah. uh, except for just, talk to loved ones and, and reach out and hopefully other people are reaching out to you. Yeah. I think, um, you know, taking time off can be difficult in any situation for exactly what you're saying. But I do think that even in the, the time that you're not doing a thing, a job or whatever, <clears throat> being able to actively reach out for a resource to people, just to have somebody to talk to about it can do a, even if they're not like a, I, I think, Getting help, professional help, can be huge. My mom was a pastoral counselor for years, and I saw the effect that that can have on people's well-being. Even if you can't do that, being able to just voice frustrations and talk about what's going on to somebody who just cares about you, even if they don't have anything helpful to say, is a first step. And so I think that can be huge, and I would encourage people to, to do that. I don't. I started watching this last night. This wasn't going to be my pick, but this maybe this would be one of one of two picks. Uh, there's a Jonah Hill documentary on Netflix, and where he is interviewing his therapist because his, he thinks his therapist has some good techniques that he wants out in the world. And it turns out, uh, like during this interview, the therapist is also ask, asking. Jonah Hill questions and it turns into this therapy session for for both of them that's kind of live on camera that takes place over a, a period of time. I haven't finished it yet. So um but it might be something worth checking out. There's no there's no funny business. You know, it's not it's not Jonah Hill being Jonah Hill. It's just like serious conversations. And then uh, uh there's a there's a m- couple moments where uh Jonah is asking his therapist some you know, some real questions. And his therapist actually responds with, with comedy. And they're like, Hey, let's not respond with comedy here. Let's, you know, and I, I realize I do that all the time where I'm like, Oh, somebody asked me a serious question and I'll just say something that I think is funny. 
and I'm just really avoiding the yeah, question. Yeah, it's avoiding, very good avoiding te- te- technique. Yeah, and um, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this might be a great documentary to to watch, and I don't remember the name of it, but we'll put it in the show notes, and I'll find hmm. it before um, we we come time to give our picks. Cool. Jimmy, you brought up the ego thing. I wanted to jump back to that. Did you sure. have Did you have like a was there a catalyst that made you think about that, or is there something going on that you want to bring up about it specifically? Uh, well, yeah, specifically my my recent uh, becoming single. There's a lot of times, and I remember thinking, well, trying. I don't journal per se, but occasionally I write down quotes, and uh, I wrote down a quote <clears throat> that said, "Your ego doesn't have your best interest in mind," and your ego is the your ego is going to be like uh, the thing that gets you in trouble by either being a tough guy in a road rage incident. Your ego is going to get you in trouble when you might say uh, something you can't take back in an argument with someone you're in a relationship with. Your ego's uh, going to be the one that burns a bridge. Your ego is going to be the one that gets you in hot water. And so I, I wrote that quote down to try and remember what I'm going through right now. You know, me and my my ex talk from time to time and the whole time my ego is really talking and I'm trying to remember not to let that happen and you know on her side too so that's why I said uh, you know when it comes to work and business and relationships your ego doesn't always have your best interest in mind and it's really important to keep that in check and I just brought it up we could talk more about it next week if it's still a subject but it's really important to remember that. And it's something I've been trying to remember going through what I'm going through, you know, regardless of what ended our relationship, me and Taylor had a wonderful 10 years together. And I got to remember that and not let current events, current moods, current ego stresses speak for me. Hmm. So it's, it's very, it's really difficult to, keep that in mind and uh, i'm not one to typically hold grudges i hold a grudge and then i had this conversation with a friend i was like something about grudges i'm like yeah i hold a grudge right up until like a week goes by and then i'm like talking to the person I'm like oh wait wait oh i forgot i was supposed to be mad at you right 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 i'm sorry I'm like, never mind never mind you know i i my grudges go through me and i forget when i grew up with people that remember everything hmm. like that's the time, you know, he handed me the wrong end of the hammer. And I'm like, you still remember that? <laughs> I was like, Didn't, don't you have other things that happened since then? You know, there are people around me like that. And maybe that's my reaction. My personal reaction is to mentally block that. And so what I'm, what I'm describing is a good trait of mine where I, my family dynamic and my, you know, my cultural upbringing with my friends it's like yeah f that guy i'm never going to talk to him again and then i see him at the auto zone store and i'm like oh hey dude what's going on i'm like oh wait wait i'm supposed to be mad at you sorry never mind never mind you know that like so that's that that's that's a good thing that i always forget i'm supposed to have a grudge because it helps me get past this ego from time to time and you know like the, the going through the breakup, there are times where I'm so ridged up and I'm like, I can't even talk. And then I have this moment of clarity when I'm like, I get a text from Taylor about something technical and I'm like, oh yeah, oh, well, let's handle it this way. Let's do it that way. Oh, I'm sorry. Sirius is trying to 
extend the life of my new car. They're like, we need to get you on the credit card. Your trial period is over. They call me about four times a day. Uh, no, so it's it's just important to remember, like when when you're taking on a client job or you're arguing over the color of something or you're arguing over the price of something, you're like, I'm not going to do it for that. They're taking advantage of me. It's your ego is making these decisions and you got to be, you just got to be aware of that. And I'm going through that. So I just figured I'd share that yeah. with you guys. I think I, a few weeks ago, I don't remember exactly the situation, but I remember something about me feeling, uh, not hurt, but just like there were, there was some situation where I felt a little attacked, like within my circle of friends. And I remember thinking in the moment, like I'm being prideful. There's nothing, there's nothing attacking me right now. I'm, I'm being a baby. I'm, I'm being hurt. I'm letting myself be hurt. And I looked at it as pride, but I guess that comes from ego where your ego is attacked Mm -hmm. and you feel like you have to stand up for that thing within yourself. And I remember, like, in the moment thinking, look, I can either let this irritate me and be hurt, or I can just get over it and know that there was nothing, there was no ill intent with any of this. And I can decide how the rest of my day is going to go by whether I'm going to, you know, let myself be hurt about it or not. And it, it was a realization moment, and it was nice to be able to, like, okay, uh, I'm just going to step aside from this. The cool thing about it was that <clears throat> a couple of days later, one of my kids was going through a very similar situation, totally different situation, but the same things were at play. And I was like, okay, so I ran into this the other day and I got to tell them that whole thing about, you know, like your pride is what's injured here. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was trying to hurt you. And so you can decide whether that pride is more important than that person. Do you want to be hurt or do you want to be okay with people? And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it it was nice to have that lesson taught to me, and it was also nice to be able to like share that lesson on. With a funny me. thing, it, it, I, and I grew up with a parent that would occasionally be like, "My day is ruined now because of this incident. My day is ruined," and that's somebody that is just like has their ego on their head like a helmet, and it's just like, "My day mm-hmm. is ruined, and I'm not gonna." I'm not going to let go of this incident. I'm not going to let go of this anger, this ego damage. I'm not going to let go of it. I'm going to carry it around. I'm going to remind everybody that my day is ruined because I had a bad interaction with X or I had a bad interaction with Y or I had a bad service phone call or a sales call keeps trying to call me or I keep getting a call from Sirius XM. My day is ruined. So I kind of grew up with a little bit of that and being like, when I hear somebody say my day is ruined, I'm like, get over it, you baby. (laughs) <laughs> because that incident is off the phone and put to bed. And for I need somebody ego, to tell me to get over it every once in a while. And for your ego to carry around that upset all day long and making this declaration that my day is now ruined, you might as well just go climb into your crib and pee in your diaper because it's like, <laughs> yeah. get over it. Your day is not ruined. It's ruined because you're letting your ego ruin it. Mm-hmm. So... There, I said it. My day is now yeah. ruined. <laughs> I think I I just put so much importance into the thing that's in front of me right now. Like like what's on my workbench right now is like the most important thing in my life. In reality, it is nowhere near the most important thing in my life. It just feels that way. So when something goes wrong, it's just like, why? Why? 
now I got to spend, it changes everything. And then, uh, I just need, uh, I just need Kelly to remind me every once in a while that mm -hmm. it's just a thing. It's mm. just, it's just a thing. It's just that thing, you know, it's I, like just a, that thing. Yeah. You know, it, this is a stupid example, but you know, I might be in the shop frustrated that maybe, you know, I chipped off too much of the carving I just did. And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to cut that tooth completely off and now I got to glue it back in and, you know, I might be annoyed at the moment, but then I go to go to the shop to go up to the house to eat something. And then like the three cats are waiting for me. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, it's oh, like a yeah. butterfly lands on my nose. Yeah. And it's like yeah. for me to go, <laughs> you cats, you you know, I just chipped the tooth off of the skull guitar. <laughs> I just, it, it, it's so annoying. They don't care. Yeah. yeah. So that's, one of my kids the other day, <laughs> one of my kids the other day went on uh, like a, a weekend away kind of thing. And he came back and realized that he left something there by accident and when he realized it he got real kind of frantic and was like oh it's gone like they said they were throwing anything away that got left and i i just now realized i left it and it was like right before everybody was going to bed so he was getting like worked up about this thing and I, you know from my perspective it was like a thing it's like it doesn't matter at all like we are blessed enough i can buy you another thing and it wasn't expensive it's fine but in his mind, in that moment, he was so focused in on that one thing that it became, like you're saying, David, it became a really big deal right there. It was the thing. And, you know, I tried to kind of talk him out of it, and it, he just wouldn't kind of change his focus on it. And so I set him down, and I had him say out loud what the problem was and, like, what the context was. And he said it, and I'm like, all right, now zoom out from this moment, this place, this thing that you're thinking about to the weekend that you had and how much you enjoyed it and to school tomorrow and, you know, zoom out to the week and that Christmas is coming up and zoom out to the year you're this age. And, you know, and I try to like, it's all about perspective. If right. you are only hyper-focused on that thing in front of you, yeah, you lost the only thing in your mind. But if you can zoom out a little bit, you see that that was one of many, many things, right. one of it's the least important of many, many you can things. can move on. Yeah. And uh, it still took him a little while to kind of let himself, you know, back off from that and be like, oh, okay, I see. It's not really that big of a deal. Because in the moment, he just like really got hyper-focused on that. And so, and I guess I probably do the same thing in a different way. But as an outsider, it was easy for me to like, hey, man, like you got to chill out. <laughs> like, this is not that big of a deal, you know. But anyway, any other thoughts on, on this? I hear a saw in your background. Oh yeah, the uh, I I'm not in my office today. I'm in the shop for this podcast because they're renovating the bathroom, and I thought uh, it would be quiet out here in the shop, but apparently <laughs> they have to uh, cut down trees or something right outside. <laughs> so I apologize. It's going to be like this for the next six weeks. Yeah, nice. Cool. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. We have a new supporter on Patreon uh, this time: the Web Ranch Woodworks. So welcome. Thank you, they actually joined up uh, a couple of weeks ago, right after we recorded the last episode, two weeks ago. So it's the first time we got to talk about them. But they are one of our top supporters on Patreon in the group with Warren Works, Michael Menegin, Scott Orham, Albers Woodworks, You Can Make This Too, which is Caleb Harris, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Corey Ward, Rich at Low End Design, Odin Leather Goods, and Fun Kiss Artistic Creations. But they're just our top supporters. There's a whole bunch of other people that support us at different levels and... We are seriously grateful uh, for all of the support. 
Every bit of it helps. Thank you for that. And they all get the after show, which we're going to record now in just a minute. And uh, they get that through Patreon. Once you sign up on Patreon, it's a separate podcast feed. Uh, it's linked right there on your Patreon page, so you can put it in your podcast player, and you get the after show where we talk about more stuff. So we're going to do that. So if you want to join up, go to patreon.com slash making it. Help us out. Big thanks again to all of them, and welcome, Web Ranch Woodworks. Appreciate the support. All right, you guys got anything to recommend? Yeah, I got I got something cool to tell you guys. It's something that keeps popping up, and it's really awesome. I screen grabbed it so I wouldn't forget. Um, here it is. Anthony Ryan Schmidt. He's an Instagrammer who takes photographs of models that he makes of cars in settings that are either real life. So it'll be a real life old courthouse building in a real town that maybe he lives in. But he sets up this little diorama and photographs it with the iPhone in such a way that it looks like an old timey photograph of, say, like Stanley Steamer style cars from the 19 teens. Or he'll make a you know 1970s Can-Am and put it in a little barn setting and blow smoke and take pictures with lights. It is unbelievable. He has a calendar out. He's 12 years old. It's unbelievable what this kid does. He's 14 now. He apparently he has uh, Asperger's or something. It says it in his description. And he does these incredible, beautiful photographs of miniatures that he makes. He makes the miniatures and then he photographs them. Isn't that insane? Wow. And I don't know if he has a YouTube channel. I've just been following him on Instagram. So I don't know if he ever shows the details of him making some of these dioramas. But you would be hard pressed to to tell that these are not real images from real scale. I would not know that they were. I see nothing in this entire page of images that would say that they're small. Yeah, so check him he out. Has like, he has like tiny, tiny little parking lots. <laughs> yeah, tiny he, makes, lines. <laughs> he makes a little parking lot and puts like four or five vintage style or whatever period piece oh, cars man. on that and then photographs it in front of town square to, and then suddenly it looks like he's back in that era and he'll black and white the pictures and give haze and lens flares all natural in the camera. Crazy stuff. Say the name again. Anthony Ryan Schmidt with a hyphen wow. between each word. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. I showed Derek the other day. Derek right away bought his calendar. I think I might buy one too just to support the kid. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, he sells greeting cards and posters and or prints of some sort. Wow. And then, you know, awesome. all, the, all the camera, all the, he's, he often shows him in his Instagram reels of him taking the picture and then it shows their final result, but he's using his iPhone. Good Very stuff. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, so I got to, uh, I'll mention that Jonah Hill documentary. It's called Stutz, which is the name of his, uh, psychiatrist. Uh, so I've, I'm only halfway through, but it seems like a very good documentary. And then my other pick this week is hopefully I'm saying this right. Padula, Padula, Padula studio. Um, this guy, he made this bench. And it's got some crazy, crazy curves in it. The video is titled, Wood Isn't Supposed to Do This. And a, a couple people sent this to me. And, um, and, you know, like when you get a vid- link to a video, you're like, ah, I'll have to watch this later. I can't I can't do this now. So I kept putting it off and putting it off. And then I, I noticed that I got tagged 
in the video description and I was like, holy cow, this is absolutely amazing. He said my uh, extreme curves and woodworking video inspired him to do this. So he took what I came up with and wow. did something completely like off the charts. That's nice. um, so it's like, so you're, you're not using forms. You make your own vacuum bags that are kind of temporary just for the project. And uh, he took it and just went nuts with it. So I, it's so amazing to, to actually see somebody being inspired by something that you did and then just like blow you out of the water with, with wow. what he does. It's so cool. So Yeah, he's some gorgeous stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to put a link to the video from the Hacksmith. I think it's, you know, he's a member of the community. I think it's good for everybody to kind of know what's up and um, also just to see the perspective of how they've grown and what they're going through and what the next uh, period of time for them is going to look like. So I'm going to put a link to that and shout out to James. hope he's doing all right. Um, you guys got anything else? For this week it's good that's it that's cool. it all right well thanks for listening everybody thank you everybody and, uh, we'll see you soon thank love you. you love you no ego